Hey, this is Devin Michael with the Higher Quality Podcast. Super excited to be interviewing you. So could you introduce yourself, your role in the company that you work at? Hi, my name is Rachel Couples. I'm a senior recruiter for Textio. My pronouns are she, her, hers. What is top of mind for you as a talent leader at your organization? I wish there was one thing that was top of mind. There are so many things that are important in recruitment, but I'm going to stick with candidate experience because keeping candidate experience top of mind and that human experience is imperative. Not only the way that I recruit and source candidates, but to create that truly world-class candidate experience that I'm striving to create continually. What's something unique about you as a talent leader at your organization that makes you a perfect fit for that job? I would say it's my ability to meet people where they are and build from there. There isn't one thing that makes a recruiter a great recruiter. The art of recruiting well and providing world-class candidate experiences, it's not easy. It's balancing a million little things. This is a human experience, right? Your hiring managers are human, your recruiters are human, your candidates are human. So as long as we center everything that we do around the human experience and meeting people where they are, not where we want them to be, but where they are, and then building from there, we can be unstoppable. We made it to the last question, and this one's a fun one. What is the worst question you've ever been asked in an interview? When I was interviewing for a senior recruiter role and a hiring manager, the person that I would work directly for asked me what I was going to do when the fad of diversity recruitment was over and organizations didn't prioritize DEI and diversity recruitment. Once I thought about it, it was grateful that uh, that came out right away in the first interview in the first 30 minutes because I didn't need to waste my time anymore and I could focus on applying for roles at organizations that were more likely to see the value not only in DEI and inclusion but just as a thought or a nice to have but the value in diversity recruitment and focusing on the human experience and how important that is overall to lending to retention quality of hire, uh, you know, and, and, and so much else. What's up, everyone? I'm Devin Michael, host of the Higher Quality Podcast and co-founder and COO of Qualify. I'm also joined by Rachel Couples, who you just heard on the pre-interview on the show. But now she is here to join me for a higher quality conversation. Rachel, thanks so much for, for being here and, and joining me. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to, to be here today. Likewise. So, Rachel, you are the senior recruiter at Textio. Uh, for those who don't know, maybe I'll give my best go at it. But Textio is this amazing, amazing tool used in, at least for me, in the talent acquisition space that helps people get beyond the standard descriptions, job descriptions, and the wording that's used to you know, get candidates attracted to your company, helping you be more um, diversity friendly, more bias friendly, if that's a word. Uh, but I'm going to just hand it to you because two things I want yeah. you to do. Tell the world <laughs> what Textio is in a better way than I did. And then second no is tell the world who you are in a better way than I did, too. Okay. Well, first of all, my name is Rachel Couples. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I reside in Washington State. And yes, I am a, the senior recruiter at Textio. Textio, in a nutshell, uh, helps companies hire and retain diverse teams by eliminating bias through 
it's honestly like the most critical moments across the uh, talent life cycle. We give, or Textio, uh, uh, gives our clients tools to build high-performing teams and, you know, and really focus on attracting diverse talent and then uh, taking it further with supporting career growth for for organizations. So hopefully I I did Textio justice there. Yeah, you did it more justice than me. Um, I should I just should have shut, shut up in the beginning. I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but no, it was I great. caught like... a brain thought, you know? <laughs> I tried. But no, one of the things that really caught my eye in, in your pre-interview, which thank you for doing that ahead of schedule, what caught my ear, my attention was your superpower, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you said, and I'll potentially butcher it, but you can correct me, but Basically, meeting people where they're at and building from there mm-hmm. as one of your unique competencies, what makes you so great at what you do. Um, and I really appreciate it when I heard it, but I want you to unpack it. Like, where does that come from? Uh, what does that mean to you? And how can people think about doing that themselves? First, I want to preface, I have more than one superpower, but this is a I superpower <laughs> that I am most, um, I think that the, the most encompasses uh, who I am uh, specifically to being, you know, a, a recruiter. One of my favorite quotes, I have no idea who said this. I wish I did. So if anybody listening knows, please find me. I would love to give this person credit because I say this all the time. People can only meet you typically as deeply as they've met themselves. And so when we think about that and how we approach people, if we're only approaching them from ourself and not considering who they are and where they're at or, or attempting to consider and understand that's where a lot of miscommunication and and barriers just automatically, mm-hmm. you know, begin building. So if we want to truly be inclusive and hire strategically, um, we need to be able to meet, you know, as a recruiter, I need to not only meet my, my boss and my hiring managers and my internal team where they are to understand what we truly need and the hiring needs of our organization. But when I'm out sourcing or, you know, recruiting and reviewing applicants, and specifically in interviews, I need to make a intentional effort every time to meet people where they are. As someone who has been, communication has been uh, something that I've struggled with my entire life being neurodivergent. And what I say struggle, I don't have a problem talking, (laughs) but being understood or getting these words that are, you know, what's in my head to come out of my mouth because I, I think too fast often. And so knowing that and knowing my own struggle with communication and knowing how hard it is specifically to be a job seeker and in that interviewee seat, I do everything I can to make candidates, meet them where they are, make them feel comfortable, let them know I'm there for them. And not, it's not just a, it's not just a line. I'm going to be with them every step of the way through the process. Gotcha. So it sounds like you really take the, like, almost like the partnership approach. You're their ally as they go to try and get this job. You're not trying to. You're you're viewing your job as not. I'm not here to not get you a job. Like I'm not here to select you out. I'm here to ally with you and make sure this is a fit for you. Right. You bring up a really good point because a you know for I would how I was taught originally right was not you know before I knew anything about recruiting you know uh, early in my career I was taught you know you're always not ruling people in you're ruling people out and actually what that does is it makes it makes my job 10 times as hard and long. And, you know, (laughs) and it's not, it's not the smart strategic thing to do for business, you know, hiring diversely and, you know, creating inclusive and equitable (laughs) workplaces is not just a warm and fuzzy thing. We do this 
because it makes us better and it impacts our bottom line on top of people matter. <laughs> We're all humans, you know? Right. Um, and so I believe that, you know, organizations that truly care are, are putting in the work, they're taking the steps. And so it's really exciting to see working at Textio, especially within the HR, DEI, you know, talent acquisition community, to see our clients use our products and, and to see all of these organizations that are really trying to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys see people come to Textio as like, hey, fix all of our DEI problem? Like that's what they're thinking when they come? Or is it like they know they've already done the work and like know where to fit Textio? That's in? a really great question. And I am someone that does not make things up. So what I can tell you is that that would be a great question for one of my salespeople. And I should ask them, but I don't know the answer to it. That's fair. Totally fair. So, okay. You're at Textio today, but we didn't start there. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you actually started in the sales side. I Yeah, I started in administrative roles, but actually I started building skateboards at this old place called Mr. Rags back in the day. If anybody remembers Mr. Rags, um, that was a long time ago, but yes, my, my, uh, you know, I would say my, my professional outside of retail, uh, inside sales, outside sales, um, and then moved into leadership. So I did that for about 10 years and was honest. It got to the point where I, I didn't have, at that point, I didn't know that I was a mission values driven human. I didn't even consider why I, I was successful at it, but I, I wasn't finding joy or just satisfaction, you know, and it wasn't necessarily what I was selling or who I was working for or any of that. It's just, I just, I didn't understand myself and what my needs were, you know, professionally I was growing up, figuring it out. But when I learned, when I realized that I needed to be in a position where I was helping someone, <laughs> um, that changed everything. So I was, I worked for a, a SaaS company, a software company. Um, I, I was their inside sales manager. Gotcha. The company also uh, owned a staffing agency. So we were selling, I was selling labor management software um, mm-hmm. and helping organizations um, with staffing as well as, as, um, software. I saw it as an opportunity. One of our competitors knocked on my door and said, come be a branch manager for us at our staffing agency. And with high hopes and just an eagerness to round out. So I have the sales experience. Now I can learn more operational side of things. I, you know, head first, eyes closed, (laughs) had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I, my first role as a recruiter was as a branch manager of a staffing agency. My first role as a recruiter was recruiting and being in charge of, of a, a branch of recruiters. So it's an interesting, not the way that I would recommend anyone to start out their, their recruitment career. However, I will say as tough as my first year was, I learned so much in that first year um, about what not to do that mm. even 10, 11 you know, years later, I'm, I still go back to that first year. And that, that gave me all my, the fundamentals of, of what not to do. <laughs> What's like an example of what you did that was like a what not to do? Well, what you don't do is um, put someone in a role that's never recruited, let alone leading recruiters without support and training. I mean, that's the first thing. Um, but, you know, before, you know, before 2020, before we started seeing, you know, more interviewing 
like, you know, over Zoom, virtual, you know, um, the switch to, uh, you know, more phone interviews, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and and whatnot. People were meeting in person and working in a staffing agency twice a week. We had, we did a lot of uh, general labor. Um, And so we'd we'd have an open house twice a week and people would walk in. So I I never, um, I didn't have a bubble. That's one thing. So I learned space and the importance of keeping (laughs) distance um, from people. Um, And I also learned, I grew up um, middle class, you know, didn't have everything I ever wanted as a kid, (laughs) you know, but I I grew up pretty, you know, pretty well. Um, And this was my first experience working uh, with a community of, of, of people that were paycheck to paycheck in a way that was like, and, and job to job taking temporary roles because of, of whatever circumstances come across their life. And it's where I really, it's, it's where I realized I, there was more than I could do. I didn't know what it was, but I knew I wanted to be more involved and I wanted to help people because there were, I met some incredible people that I still know today that just needed someone to take a chance on them and just Mm. needed someone to look at them beyond their resume. (laughs) Because, you know, unless you're hiring a professional resume writer, you know, so, and if, if you have somebody walking in and you're already interviewing them, take the time, ask them more questions, you know? And so it's where my, I guess it's where I learned to meet people where they, where they were, I guess, in a professional setting, going back to that, if that makes sense. That was like foundational. It, yeah, moment. it was honestly, that was the hardest year of, uh, in my entire life career wise. Um, but it, it, it definitely, if it weren't for, if it weren't for that year, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. So it's funny that, that you say that the, almost every single interview I've had, Mm-hmm. Uh, here at higher higher quality has been with someone who started in staffing. Like that was their foundation, and I I don't know if that's like the thing. To no, do. it's well. How do you get into recruiting, right? I I don't know. I haven't met anyone. Maybe there is someone, so I don't want to say they're you know never. But I've I've never met anyone who grew up wanting to be a recruiter. <laughs> you know, right. my daughter right. who's in college right now has been adamant that she's not going to be a recruiter. She would be exceptional, but you know, um, <laughs> but so you know, we- uh, and I understand that you don't want to do what your mom does, but um, when you ask people how they got into recruiting, they usually fall into it, right? Like I, I wasn't looking to be a recruiter. I wasn't looking, I, I was approached with an opportunity and, and went with it. But yeah, there's, and there's not, there's not like a, a recruiting degree program. You know, there's, right. you can get an Anywhere. HR degree. What is it? A quarter, maybe two, or there's some, you know, employment law, some recruiting, but you know, all employment law and the job market and strategy changes. I feel like every day, depending on where you're located and your, you know, um, yeah. the geographically where you recruit. So people fall, it's easy to fall into staffing because staffing requires a lot of very strong recruiters, but most often great staffing agencies understand the importance of support and support roles. And so a lot of folks can start in as a coordinator or working the front mm. desk or a junior recruiter, and you can work side by side. And, it, you know, it's almost like whether they're a startup staffing agency or not, it really feels a lot like that startup mentality, even working at a big firm, because it is, it's very fast paced. 
Um, but if you can soak it up, you can learn so much. So, right. so yeah. when you went from, okay, you were a yeah, branch so I manager. Left, I left the, yeah, I was a branch manager for a year focused more on, you know, warehouse, general labor, light industrial temp and temp to hire. Then I moved to another agency that was more of a boutique agency working specifically more with three PLs, like third-party logistic companies, distribution mm -hmm. and hiring, hiring for, you know, everything from director to the entry level, you know, uh, person in the warehouse. And I really, I learned a lot at that second agency, um, uh, just as much. So, you know, with about, I have about two years um, staffing experience total. And I, while it was hard and at the end of the day, wasn't, for me, like long-term, you know, mm -hmm. something for me career-wise, it definitely gave me everything I needed found, you know, from a foundation standpoint. And anytime someone says, how do I get into recruiting? Or I'm thinking about getting into recruiting. I tell yeah. them a coordinator or an assistant type role in HR or TA, um, or go into staffing because mm -hmm. especially if someone has customer service, retail, some type of human interaction type, you know, people focused experience. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a great skill to have. And then, so, okay, two years spent and you jumped to director of talent? Well, I moved. Or you I, became that? I'm, so where, yes, I, I became, I moved to a, not a social enterprise um, here in Seattle. And actually I went back into a sales role initially. Um, my focus was this time though, uh, this was an organization that I had admired and wanted to work for. <laughs> Got it. Um, and they weren't hiring for recruiters. And I just happened to have this experience. And a friend of mine that worked in an age, another agency, not the agency, we never worked together, but she reached out to me and said, you're not going to believe it. They're hiring. Um, and that's how that happened. So I, um, I moved into... I can't remember what my title was, but, um, sales, uh, you know, it was like a sales slash customer support type role for one of their businesses about six months in their CPO reached out to me and said, Hey, we're thinking about creating more of a staffing model because while they were a nonprofit at the time, they had seven revenue generating businesses in seven different industries. And it was, they really needed their recruiting efforts if they were going to centralize, needed to be set up like a staffing model. So it was literally gotcha. written for me. Um, I'm where it was working for a nonprofit where, um, you know, the main focus was children and adults with disabilities, which disability doesn't discriminate against, you know, uh, I, you know, demographics, you know, other demographics. And so um, it was an opportunity for me to truly take what I learned in those, you know, sh the short time of two years in staffing, which felt like boot camp, uh, right. and really impact more than just the disability community, but like all up, all underrepresented communities and build right. from the ground up a staffing model inside, you know, um, a corporate type of organization. Yeah. So that was, did you amazing. say, did you say disability doesn't discriminate? Yes. I love that. That's a, so it's a bar, you know, there are certain disabilities. Say. So I have lupus, I, you know, and there are, are certain disabilities or, or things that impact certain people, you know, men more or women more or certain nationalities or, or whatnot. But 
at the end of the day, it, you know, no, we, none of us are immune to, to a disability. So yeah, it was, it was a dream come true to be able to, the work that I was able to do there, create that program. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a dream come true. And I'm so grateful for that. And if it weren't for that opportunity and the introduction to, uh, in that company, it's the first time I understood the concept, but if I'm going to be really honest, 2016 is the first time I ever heard white privilege together in a conversation about white privilege. And my mind wasn't blown because of the concept, but it was blown like, why have I never heard? Like, like yes, the term itself. I know this. I know, This is what I, I've never put it to words, but, you know, and then I learned more about it. And um, I just had so many opportunities uh, working at Northwest Center to just to grow just my understanding beyond, again, you talk about people meeting you, <laughs> you know, they can only mm -hmm. meet you where they met themselves beyond who I was is this, you know, outwardly looking, you know, healthy white woman, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it, it, yeah, it, it's just, it changed my life in so many great ways. So I have to imagine this is when I'm guessing, but I could be wrong. And you may have been doing this before, but like really intentionally as a talent leader, starting to like check mm -hmm. your own biases too. Yeah. 2016. Um, that's when I really, okay. really did. So yep. what would that, what did that look like? What were some that you held that and how did you check them? Like for people that are listening that want to, how do we do the work? I ask this question all the time to job seekers. How do you challenge your own assumptions? Right. It's um, because it's imperative. Like. Uh, you can't just do it once. The people, we need to do it all the time. Um, and it really doesn't matter what type of role or profession you have, you know, on a professional. Hopefully that you, you challenge your assumptions personally, but on a professional basis, it's it's imperative to be successful. I check my I read a lot. I, uh, you know, follow and listen to people that are smarter than me and have different experiences than I do. You know, Jackie Clayton, Torin Ellis. Adam Karpiak, I could just name all of these right. uh, people that, that have different types of roles um, and expertise, but that are experts in DEIB, right? Um, are experts in recruitment. And that's, that's my coworkers asking questions. I had a great support system um, when I was at the social enterprise at Northwest Center. My boss, you know, was, I reported directly to the CPO. She was always available for me. Um, and very passionate herself about, you know, DEIB and, um, made sure that I was able to get the professional development that I needed. But one of the most eye-opening and groundbreaking things for myself and my entire recruitment team at the time was when we brought in a facilitator outside of our organization, um, that spoke to us specifically and for an entire day, um, and we went through a ton of exercises, um, just about bias uh, in recruitment and hiring an entire day of it. And it was, it was twofold. It was an exercise for my team, you know, and for mm -hmm. us to work together and, and learn how to be uncomfortable and talk about, you know, uh, right. for some folks, depending on what we were talking about, it was very uncomfortable, but to learn together. And it made my, myself, I believe, and my team stronger and, truly thirstier, if that's, or hungrier, I'm not, for, to <laughs> learn way. more, you know, we wanted to learn more and be better. And we won a, we won, we won an award um, in January of 2020 for our diversity and our diversity recruitment efforts and inclusive interviewing practices by the largest 
diversity focused career fair, you know, in the U S so it's, wow, it's, that's, it's not for that kind of stuff, you know, but it felt really great. Um, four years after, you know, four years of working yeah. you know, really hard to, to be recognized for that. Absolutely. So what, what were some of the like practical things that you shifted to do inclusive uh, interview practices? Like, what did that look like? And like that helped you get this award? Like what, what was it practically that you did differently than most organizations? I don't know what most organizations do truthfully, you know, sure. uh, but what I, I think I do, you know, talking to uh, at least from, from the recruitment community, you know, and the folks that I know um, that are recruiters and from job seekers and hear their experiences interviewing elsewhere and whatnot. But I would mm -hmm. say, you know, so many things, you know, pronouns was a huge thing. It just never, it, I never considered it. You know, the other thing was I, we were hiring people of all abilities. So it was more than just making sure that the resumes that are coming in and, you know, we're reviewing them in an inclusive and, you know, equitable unbiased way. It's also, what type of accommodations should we provide? What type of resources should we pro we provide folks to apply for our roles if they need it, to interview with us, to feel comfortable applying for, for positions, you know, and I, it really, each one of the businesses that we hired for and, it, and as well as corporate, it ended up being kind of eight different, you know, buckets almost, um, or processes, I guess, that we followed. Um, but it, what we followed across the board was m meeting people where they were. Okay. What, you know, asking upfront, making sure that our application process was the least amount of steps as possible. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, if you don't have a resume, just type in some stuff. Right. You know, if you do have a resume, you're not going to have to retype in all of your experience. <laughs> don't type in this stuff. We're not going to ask yeah. you a bunch of questions. We're going to make this as simple as possible. And make sure that phone numbers and emails are available for people to reach us if they're if they're struggling to apply. From there, interview, a hiring manager interview training, recruiter interview training, uh, lots of research went into that, you know. We just continued to iterate. You know, it wasn't like we went to that day-long training and I was like, okay, tomorrow or, you know, I'm going to take this week and we're going to just flip the script. If you wait to do it all at once, and that's that's where I think a lot of organizations go wrong. Well, if we can't do everything, we're not going to do it at all. Or, you know, Jackie Clayton, I report to Jackie Clayton, vice president of DEIB and talent acquisition at Textio. And um, she says this. I'm sure I, I know someone else said it, but uh, she reminds me often when I get impatient. How do you eat an elephant, Rachel? One bite at a time. And it's, you know, it's so true. Um, but that's exactly how we did it one bite at a time. And we, we changed what we could as we went because we didn't have the luxury, you know, we were hiring three to 500 people a year, most of them with documented disabilities and, you know, support needs. And it's, it, it was a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot of administrative work and organ, you know, just staying organized type work. Yeah. Um, but anytime we could improve that candidate experience and improve the process to become more efficient, we did it. So it was, it, there wasn't one thing, I guess. I'm, I feel like I'm talking in circles, Devin, no, but that was, one thing at a time. Was... Okay. We're going to change the way we're wording this. We're going to make sure that it is crystal clear when we go to job fairs that 
we have people that speak multiple languages. We're going to bring somebody that maybe isn't fluent in sign language, but if we're going to show up to a career fair targeting, you know, um, the deaf community, we're going to we we're going something. to make sure that we can yeah. not only show them that we there's representation within our organization so they can see people like them so that they can um, find out for themselves from people that already work for us what it's like mm -hmm. because yeah. that's so powerful. You know, you could be the greatest salesperson, the greatest recruiter, hiring man, whatever it is in the world, but until someone can for themselves, you know, trust that, that your organization is going to support them and has a track record of supporting people like you, right. you know, uh, whoever that is. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's, it's just, it's, it's huge. That's the B part, right? And the DEIB. Yeah, it is. Cause it's just as, I, I think another area, you know, recruiters, we do the work to get the people in, right? But mm -hmm. we're not the experts on the other end, you know, making sure that, you know, there is that sense of belonging and that, you know, we can't recruit and, you know, run programming and, and, and whatnot. So it's it, recruiters that are bringing rec diversity recruiters that are, foc you know, recruiters focused on diversity really need to have an organization and partners within their organization, you know, that are doing the work to support the people because it's our reputations too, right? Mm. You know, I wouldn't be able to speak so loud and proud all across all of social media about Textio um, if I didn't truly know that we are doing everything we can and can and still continue to learn and add more programming and, you know, um, and innovate how we do things, you know. Yeah. DEI yeah. work is never ending. <laughs> I love that concept of like you're the external gateway, right? And then without the internal it dies, right? Well, recruiting is a team sport. I mean, it really is. Like you need, you know, I'm a big advocate for having a strong, you know, experienced recruiter uh, for organizations. But it, if it was only getting someone in the door, you know, and hiring someone that, you know, meets the qualifications, that's one thing. But it's so much more than that. And recruiting is going to have to backfill that role. Right. If if that person leaves. So we need right. buy in from everyone um, and not just buy in action. Mm. Mm. I won't go deep on that one. It's okay. I'll leave that one. I know. I'm like, uh, I can geek people. out. I mean, <laughs> I, I have a lot, uh, a lot to say and I could talk in circles yeah. about this forever because I'm just so passionate about what I do and how we can truly revolutionize like the world of work. If if we look Absolutely. at at at, every, at work, and in my work recruiting, you know everything is a, it's a team sport. Everyone has to be involved. Yes, I agree. So you're now at Textio, I am and at Textio. I have two questions. One, yes. this is a quick yes or no: is right. were you a Textio user before you were a Textio employee? I was not. I was not. Nice. I was wondering if that's how you got in there. But um, two no, is... I, I can tell you how I got in here. Go for it. I, yes. I applied and interviewed. <laughs> no, but I actually um, reached out to a group of people. Um, I met Jackie Clayton, my boss, on Twitter in mm. tw early 2020, uh, talking about recruitment, you know, diversity recruitment. We got into, I was like, oh, I, you know, 
uh, her hot takes and, uh, you know, just just showing up unapologetically, you know, in an unapologetic way and speaking the truth, you know, um, on a platform like Twitter, I had been scared. So, you know, to share strong opinions and, you know, to offend or upset the internet. Um, and Jackie, I, I just admired how she spoke about DEI and diversity and her passion. And um, anyway, so when I started looking in 2021, um, she was in, in a group email with 10 people. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm, I'm starting to look. Are you hiring? And so mm. she said, yes, you're going to have to go through the process, <laughs> you know, but yeah. apply. So I went through the awesome. process like everyone else. And um, yeah, I started January of 2022. Congratulations. That's awesome. It's, um, it's been wonderful. So you, well, you didn't release it, but Texio just released some really cool content uh, that, as they always yes. do. Um, but this one was um, kind of like a, felt like a kind of all-encompassing feedback, right? And language bias. What were some of the, or, and it doesn't have to be just from that, but like, what's some of the coolest takeaways you've gotten from the the content that's been produced from Textio based off of the product that you've put out, that Textio has put out in the world? Well, as far as, so we, we launched our, our uh, second annual, like, a language by bias, like yes. uh, in performance feedback. Um, yeah. This year, we explored more of like the relationship between feedback quality and employee retention. Not surprising or, you know, not totally surprising. Women of all races and people of color of all genders, like systemically received, you know, the lowest quality feedback and are leaving organizations that are, you know, providing that, that type of feedback at like the highest rates right now, even in today's job market, which is pretty brutal. If you haven't seen the report, I, I definitely, I'll send you a link so you can <laughs> share it if anybody wants to read it. But, you know, people receiving low, one of the things that kind of, again, it's like, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised, you know, but people receiving low quality feedback overall, like 63% of of everyone, we're not just talking about one community, uh, leave their jobs because of low quality feedback. You know, men are, you know, report being called ambitious two times more than women do. White people report being called easy to work with two times more than Asian people. Latinx people yeah. report being called, you know, passionate two times more than white. You just go on and on and all these stereotypes, you know, black employees just generally get 26% more unactionable feedback than non-Black employees, despite receiving like 79% of the feedback overall. So they're getting a ton of feedback, but it's not actionable. Mm. It's biased and it's, you know. It's, so where is this, when you say feedback, is this um, like as they are being performance employed? Reviews. Performance reviews. Mm -hmm. Okay, I gotcha. Wow. So that's yeah, just. Yeah, that one's wild. What's in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but I do encourage folks. I mean, there's so much data, so much research that we put into it. We launched uh, Textio Lift. It's a performance management tool that helps, you know, HR teams, people leaders, employers, not only write and give unbiased feedback, but it helps them with actionable unbiased feedback. I don't know about right. you, but ac <laughs> across my career, more times than not, I've had reviews that reference my personality, 
uh, once was my condition when I was pregnant with my daughter, <laughs> like, you know, just things that are like, I don't really, what, what does this have to do with, right. with me? Right. My work. Uh, and my yeah. work. And so, and that's just my experience. Um, I, I know, I, I know many folks like just firsthand that have had awful experience. And even myself, when I first became a people leader, I am curious. I've, I've often thought, oh, I, I wish I could go back and <laughs> read what I wrote, you know, back mm. in, you know, 2004, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as, as a brand new leader, just barely an adult myself and in the work, you know, work world. But um, the, the thing about it is, is that, and the thing that, that I get excited about with Textio is it might sound dramatic, but we're really changing the world one word at a time. As every time we write, every time our customers or users write, you know, uh, with our programs, they're literally receiving like real-time feedback um, and oftentimes prompts and examples of better ways to say things or flags that, no, you should not say this. And mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I like to learn as I go. I'm a very like hands-on, let me drive. I'm going to learn why we're doing this, right? And so in Textio allows right. people, it, it allows it's, our, our users to not just say they're using Textio, but to every day in everything they write with Textio, to be iterating and learning themselves um, and improving their own writing. And that's not even talking about how it impacts the people and the whole reason, you know, in the end, like right. we're trying to like attract more diverse candidate pools. We're trying to give actionable unbiased feedback. It just does. It's so much more than just that. Right. And yeah, as we write totally. and we change how we write, it then begins to change how we speak. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I, another, another I give myself there. goosebumps. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I love what we do. <laughs> I love it too. Well, awesome. Let's, let's move into the, the last segment where I get the audience involved, mm -hmm. question of the week, you get the first pass, but for those that are listening, you also get a chance to participate. Um, the link to participate will be in the description below or above or side, depends on what you're listening it's on. Be <laughs> um, yes, it'll be there uh, and, and you'll hear an inter uh, interview question mm -hmm. uh, from me. And so, Rachel. Yes. Your question of the week is, if a company wants to take a serious look at DEI, and I'm going to add the B, I didn't have that earlier. So if a company wants to take a serious look at DEI B, specifically in talent acquisition, where should they start? I could come up with more than one answer, but I just want to say, first of all, starting, <laughs> you got to start. Mm. For me, in a perfect world, um, and actually just recently, I just went through this exercise for Textio as we're, you know, looking for where do we want to grow to next? How can we advance and innovate with even what we're doing currently that we're really proud of? I started by auditing um, candidate experience. So look, and candidate experience starts, you know, before you even, it truly starts if you, really before you even post the job. It, it starts when you're thinking about what you're looking for and what you, what you truly need and, and goes all the way through, you know, someone starting and then it becomes employee experience. Right. So um, mm. that's where I would start. If you already, if, if, if the wheels are already in motion and you know, your, your uh, recruiting engine, has been running. Now, if you're starting fresh and new, then, you know, 
I would look, I, I would reach out to someone that's doing the work and you could even work backwards or work forwards, I guess, with a candidate experience audit and build from there. But the biggest thing is, and this is a huge, this is, was a huge lesson for me across my career and it continues to be validated um, as time goes on. If you wait for it to be perfect, you will never finish it, especially if you wait, if, if perfect means doing all the things, right? I shouldn't wait to change or, you know, we shouldn't wait to change, say you're going to change an application, right? With adding optional, uh, an optional area for um, applicants to share their pronouns. I shouldn't wait to do that because I'm writing a new or different type of version of our mission statement or our EEO or, you know, whatever that is, change that right now. <laughs> like just, you know, right. um, because that is where, and this is just, I think in the world of work, it's not just a recruiting thing where we, we get in our own way, you know, we got to save ourselves mm -hmm. from ourselves. And if it's ready, if it's something that's going to improve candidate experience, if it's something that's going to improve, even if it's just a smidge, do it. Don't wait for the whole thing because mm. the thing about the type of work that we do, especially as, as a whole, is thinking about DEIB, there's no point in doing it performatively. <laughs> there really just isn't, right? Um, because it's never done. We're dealing, we're talking about humans, right? And so as we evolve um, and as we uh, grow um, as humans and as organizations, just, you know, in size and, in, you know, headcount and everything else, we're going to learn and have different types of people and different experiences and, and what not to consider. So expecting the work to have an end, you, you know, your end, your finish line is when you check, check off that one, you know, um, mm. that one feature you added instead of waiting, you know, to launch seven of them at once. Um, it's, it's filling that, you know, requisition, the, those are sort of the, those are the wins that we get, but, but there's never an end, yeah. an end to the work that we do. I love it. Well, Rachel, I appreciate uh, you and what you bring to the table, the way that you deliver it, all of it oh, well, is special. Um, and it's been great. And audience, I'm sure shares in this uh, desire to get to know you more. How would you prefer people stay in touch with you and connect with you? I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> you can just Google my name, um, but at uh, Recruiting Shiro uh, across all social media platforms, except for TikTok, it's Recruiting Shiro 2.0 uh, because I got banned nice. the first time. So I'm back. Gotcha. I'm back. Um, but yes, um, so also, you know, I work at Textio, uh, Rachel C at Textio.com. Or, uh, you know, Rachel at RecruitingShiro.com. I also, uh, RecruitingShiro.com is where my blog sits as well. If you're interested in reading a blog that's written by someone that is not a writer. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, you heard it from her herself. If you want to follow Rachel, which I'm sure you do, make sure to go to one of those mediums and just stay in touch. But if you like this episode, like what you hear, we do this Every other week, we launch a great episode with great people. And so make sure to hit the subscribe button, like this episode if you're on YouTube, uh, but make sure to stay in touch so that you can catch the higher quality episodes as they release. And with that, I will say until the next one. And Rachel, thank you so much. Thank you.